tonight on Whiskey Waffle. Glen Murray is in Scotland. Scotland. It's in Scotland. It's cheap, but is it any good? The reason you own whiskey stones is someone's given them to you as a gift. That means absolutely nothing. Yeah, it's, um, it's the usual wank. That's this episode on Whiskey Waffle, the podcast. I mean, cast. Hello, Nicholas. Hello, Ted. Is that your actual voice? Are you going to say that all the way through? Hey, man. Yeah, that's more like it. The Aussies coming back out. How you doing, Teddy boy? Yeah, not bad, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm fairly relaxed. Sundays these days, Sunday nights. Yeah. Um, are my Friday nights. Yeah, whereas Sunday nights are definitely my Sunday nights, <laughs> and I definitely have work tomorrow. So. Yeah, yeah. So oh, let's it, see how hard we go throughout this recording session. Well, you can go as hard as you like. I know, I know. At the end, Ted's like talking like he did at the very start of the episode. And I'm like, and this was really, really good. I don't know. Well, um, keep listening, people. You might find out. Yeah. You might find out. Um, you might find out on the Whiskey Waffle podcast, because that is what you're listening to right now. Episode 60, in fact. Episode 60. Yeah. Wow. I know. We've done a few. More than a few. 59 <laughs> previously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, thank you for tuning in, listeners. Thank you for tuning in. Um, human listeners and also feline listeners. Yes. Yes, Jake's cat. Welcome, welcome to Jake's cat. Yeah. Um, have you have you met the carrier pigeon, Jake's cat? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't introduce them. Yeah. There might be some uh, um, shredded carrier pigeon on the floor. And uh, Lord Walden's mouse. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. Um, poor old Lord Walden's mouse it was a, a fond, fondly loved member of the whiskey waffle community until Jake's cat came along. <laughs> yeah. We have we have like a uh, get together for all the animal uh, mascots of whiskey waffle and. Uh, Yes. To be fair, Jake's cat is normally very well behaved, but he had a few drams and <laughs> Well no, it was it was it was fine until someone rang the gong. <laughs> and then Jake's cat just went wild. Yes, yes, uh, apologies for the gong. Um anyway, so today on the Whiskey Waffle podcast, we're doing one of our a fairly rare Drill down into a distillery. Yes, yes. Um, so we haven't revealed what distillery it's going to be, but last week we said it's the most underrated distillery in Scotland, at least in our opinions. Yes, which means, of course, we're talking about Glenfiddich. <laughs> um, underrated, Ted. Underrated. No, yeah. a few people did speculate, and I know Cleon, for one, got it absolutely bang on the nose. Indeed, this episode we are talking about Glen Murray. Yes, and for some people out there, because I did go to a bottle shop because we're looking for our review whiskey tonight, um, and the bo- the guy in the bottle shop did not know what I was talking about until I said Glen Moray. Yes, the Glen Moray. He knew Glen all Moray. about the Glen Moray eel. Yes, they they live on the uh, Barrier Reef. Mm. <laughs> Poke their heads out now and then. Yep, yep, and just off the coast of Speyside as well. So last episode we did about the new Hellers Road yeah. rebrand, the new packaging, the new core range. Um, we had some comments about that. Yeah, well, so Lord Walden gave a, a glowing review. Distinct Hellier's Road profile, drinks weaker than 46%, not a huge fan of the finish. Yet to try an, an HR that I like, not many stars out of five. Oof. Yeah, big yeah. fan there. Yeah, yeah big Loved fan. Loved it. <laughs> um, That's right. I bet he was stoked when he, when he saw what the episode was and what he was getting in the mail. Jake, Jake uh, says to us, love the new bottle designs and keen to dry the new liquid. My feline friend was most impressed with this episode. Uh, excellent. Well, to be fair, that was the main aim from last episode, is just yeah. to appeal to Jake's cat. Whiskey is my jam. Wanting to try the new Hellier's Road and Communion collab this weekend, ah. which was like last month. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, Mr. Jam, 
let us know what you thought about that uh, crossover. Yeah, it's an interesting one. We didn't talk much about it last time, but our, our good friends at Communion Brewing um, in our very own town of Burnie um, mm. were able to use some Helly's Road casks to age a, a beer in, like a, a stout, and then um, chuck the, the barrels up Helly's Roadway once um, he'd finished with it, and they um, did some finishing of their own. Uh, Uthred the Viking? Yes, what does Uthred say? Uh, nothing to do with Helly's Road. Oh, okay, right. <laughs> but he does say, Hello. Yes, Whiskey Bulldogs might be a thing. Ah, yes, we unearthed the uh, Whiskey Bulldogs podcast. Definitely worth checking out if you're a fan of the AFL and whiskey, and sometimes at the same time. Need to get Whiskey Waffle and Whiskey Bulldogs interview ep happening. Otherwise, you'll make the giraffes cry. (laughs) New Whiskey Bulldogs catchphrase, making the giraffes cry. I think we should use it in Whiskey Waffle a bit more as well. How do you think that Jake's cat would tackle the giraffe? <laughs> it's dealt with a carrier pigeon, dealt with uh, Lord Walden's mouse. Mm-hmm. Now it's tying off uh, Uthred the uh, Saxon's um, uh, giraffe. Crying giraffe. Crying giraffe. <laughs> uh, nice one. Um, so all these comments came from our Whiskey Waffle Patreon. It's a lovely little community of people that receive our review dram every month. So if you'd like to mm. jump on board and become, um, make sure you have a pet of some sort because that yeah. helps. It. Real or imaginary, it doesn't matter. Jake, Jake, Jake's cat is getting fatter and needs <laughs> feeding needs more more feeding yeah maybe we'll just stick with feeding Jake's cat the whiskey for the time being the waffle all right nick let's yeah. talk glen muzzer glen muzzer oh, i'm sure they'd appreciate that in fact we have a little bit of a connection with glen murray because back when we used to post stuff on twitter it's been a long time since we've posted anything on twitter um yeah we've abandoned that sinking ship a long time ago no we're on threads now <laughs> the whiskey waffle threads yeah um but we used to speak with faye cole or cool or or cole Cole. Um, cole yeah who was the um wife of the distillery manager graham cool air um who who worked there at the time because we've we've actually given a few awards to to glenn murray over time often value for money awards and she really appreciated that and would reply to us on on mm. the socials so yeah unfortunately they they don't work with glenn murray anymore they moved off to ireland to work with uh, i don't know red breast or glenn murray moved to ireland yeah glenn murray's gone <laughs> no the, the cools have but um yeah they're too cool for too 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 cool yeah but um, yeah, it's 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 one that um we've had a bit of an association with, but our association begins well before any sort of Twitter interaction. Yes, indeed, we we drank some at some point. We did. We drank some when we were little newbie whiskey drinkers, yep. and maybe you did too. Yeah, look, I feel like Glen Murray is very much gateway whiskey, and there's a very good reason for that. Yeah, and I, I did this as a bit of a like testing the waters. I typed into Google, "Why is Glen Murray?" And then just see what the the auto completes were. Mm-hmm. The very first one is why is Glen Murray so cheap? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's got a bit of a reputation of being a bargain basement single malt. That's important, folks. Single malt. It is a mm. single malt. Indeed. So base level Glen Murray, just the Elgin Classic, cheap as chips. Yeah. Back when we started buying whiskey. It used to be around about that forty to forty-five dollar mark. Yeah, give it Australian. Everything has gone up about twenty bucks these days, yeah, and so yeah, I think sixty or yeah. sixty-two bucks. Yep, sixty-two bucks in the local BWS these days for the Elgin Classic, and not much more for the twelve-year-old. So they're basically selling a single malt at blend prices. It's still and has always been comparable to Monkey Shoulder. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's better than Monkey Shoulder. 
No, well, see, this is the thing. It's it's cheap, but is it any good? Mm, and that is the debate that's going been going on for a little while. And some people write it off because it is cheap, and some people write it off because they've tried it and they're still not a fan. And if, that is often their last Glen Murray experience. Yeah. If you want a 12-year-old single malt whiskey for an affordable price, let's say, let's say we used to say this, if you're a uni student yep. or someone who's just like their wallet's hurting a bit, but you want to be posh, you want to get a single malt whiskey and be yeah. impressive. A 12-year-old. You, you want a number on the front. You want a number on the bottle. 68 bucks. Yeah. You can do a lot worse. Um, but then the thing is like some people would prefer something that they just really like the flavor of and maybe they haven't gone in on what they've tried from Glen Murray so far. And yeah, we've got a few Glen Murrays that we're going to talk about as the night goes on, but let's delve back, way back into the past because Glen Murray's been around for a little while. Did you know that Glen Murray started as a brewery? No, I did not. Um, in the mid to late 1800s. I su- but- assume every whiskey distillery started as a brewery, to be fair, because they had to brew something before they could make it into whiskey. (laughs) Those days they did. They didn't have just brew houses they could go straight to. But yeah, they were a brewery, um, but they changed um, to a distillery in 1897 because there there was a real boom of the Scottish whiskey scene at the late 1800s. This is very much at the decline of the Irish industry, so yep. the Scots were yeah, um, yeah. were booming. There's a next-door grain distillery um, as well, and they were making a lot of blended, blended whiskey coming out of there. Yeah, it actually shut down again in 1910 because that's at a time where yeah the Scottish whiskey industry realised they'd overcapitalised on mm. all of their single malt distilleries. So, yeah, it kind of lost a bit of market. Was it one of these ones that was bought up by a big... Um, conglomerates and then got shut down as part of that horse trading? Was um, so it was, it was part of the original brewery owners. Um, it didn't get bought up again until 1923 when okay. the group that would go on to become Glen Murray Distillery uh, purchased them. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, and they owned um, Glen Murray all the way through the rest of the 20th century. Um, there was only two stills for a very long time, but they did a bit of an upgrade in the 1950s yeah, and again later. Four or five or six they've got They've got like eight now. Eight? But um, yeah. that, a lot of them has been done in the last 10 years. Yeah. So yeah, there's been some rapid rapid growth. Um, 2004 or something like that, they were sold to Pernod Ricard, but that didn't last very long. Mm-hmm. They were sold to La Martinique, um, so another French company in in France. To, yeah, in France, <laughs> French company in France <laughs> in about 2008. So that's who they're currently owned by, La Martinique. Yeah, yeah, right. Interesting. And so here's an important question. Yeah, where is Glen Murray? Yes. So Glen Murray is in Scotland. Scotland. Yeah, it's in Scotland. Yeah, which which particular bit of Scotland? Yeah, very much Speyside. Um, if Speyside had a capital, then uh, Elgin would mm. be its capital. I, I still think Dufftown is the heart of Speyside, but um, yeah, in terms of it's got big the towns, name. can't really say. Yeah, I can't really say um, cities. I don't know, but in terms of big towns in Speyside, Elgin is the biggest. Yeah, yeah, and look, Glen Murray for us, I think, represents some really classic Speyside drinking. Mm-hmm. Profile wise, it's it hits those marks. It is very um, barley driven, but it has all those sort of vanilla and honey sort of characters that go with it. Light, floral, slightly, I suppose, sour, bitter herbal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it stops short of being sweet, certainly. Mm. And traditionally aged in American oak. Mm. Bourbon cask, ex-bourbon cask. cask all the way. They've always had, in my mind, Glen Murray's are, are a very light colour. Mm. They're probably using like second, even third fill bourbon as mm. part of that. Um, but interestingly, and this is something that started in the late 90s, they were also one of the pioneers 
of mm. wine cask aging. Indeed, indeed. Um, but the, I think the first cardi cask we ever had was a Glen Murray. So, um, yeah, they pioneered a lot of wine casking in Scotland. It wasn't really that, that done. And interestingly, another one of their early wine casks was a Chenin Blanc cask. Mm. So tell me about Chenin Blanc. That name says France to me. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, so um, it is a white wine. Um, Blanc obviously gives that away. Uh, people often associate with Savion Blanc because they both have the oh, word no, Blanc thinking, in it. See, I was thinking um, goat, but that's uh, Chev. Not uh, Shenin. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, nothing to do with goats. No goats were harmed in the making of this whiskey. Um, but yeah, they. Um, I, I'd say it's closer to a Pinot Gris than it is to a, a Sav Blanc, but it's um, it's a very flexible grape. You can do all sorts of things. Like you can make sweet wines with it, like dessert wines, but it can also drink quite dry as well. Um, but yeah, obviously in France, they barrel-aged some Chenin Blanc and those barrels were kicking around and Glen Murray snapped them up. Yeah. Now, funny that you should mention Chenin Blanc because mm. we have recently... Tried a Chenin Blanc. Glen Very Murray. recently, I just had a sip right then. <laughs> uh, yeah, me too. Got, yeah, we've got a Chenin Blanc Glen Murray in our glass, but that's not all. Mm. Um, we we recently picked up from the Whiskey Club two different Glen Murrays um, that were both part of this sort of uh, special release series. Um, the Chenin Blanc matured, and also, well, that's the one I got. What did you get, Ted? I got a rum matured one, rubber oh. rum, rum agricole. I can't remember the specifics of it, but it. It said rum on there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but both of these are full maturation in those two mm. um, types of bottle. Um, they're both sitting around that 46 mark, which I think is um, definitely a step up from those cheaper ones that I was mentioning before that are always sitting at 40%. These ones are at that sort of magic number, 46%. Um, I've got to put a little bit more effort into the labels. Then they're, they're not mm. the masters of amazing labels, Glen Murray, but there's a, a, a nice, um, beautiful picture in the old-fashioned sort of pencil sketch in the bottom corner. Well, that that is one factor that I read somewhere that um, someone suggested was part of the price point of Glen Murray, that their their marketing isn't that great. No. It's, it's a bit of a cheaper um, marketing style. I still like it, the bottle shape, though. They've got the onion necks mm. on the bottle to represent the onion necks on the still. I've never minded it, to be honest. No. It looks like whiskey. Yeah, yeah. But um, the ones that we have here are slightly nicer, so we might just spend a, a minute or so talking about what's in the glass and what it tastes like. So I've got the Chenin Blanc at the moment. Yeah, the Chenin Blanc, for me, on the nose, very matchy, very sulfury, mm-hmm. very farty. Yeah, no, just, not quite farty. Just, just light farts. Just, yeah. um, you know, just a tiny little one. Or, mm. you know, you know, you walk into the room long after the fart has occurred. <laughs> it's, if, it's, it's like that smell, though, if you, if you strike two stones together and you get that burnt smell. There's more fruit in the palate, though. Mm. Almost a sort of orangey marmalade thing. Yep. Still with that um, sulfur, though. Yeah, no, the it's sulfur really, continues It really carries through. through. Yeah, uh, so the rum, on the other hand... Mm. It's a lot lighter in colour, the rum. A lot lighter in colour. A lot lighter in scent as well. It's very mm. sweet, very delicate on the nose. It is. It doesn't have any of those sort of funk sort of characters or light funk. Mm. Although, being from the um, Caribbean, you would think that it would have some funk in there. I know, I know. Yeah, rum interacts with the cask in a different mm. way to to wine, of course. So, therefore, yeah, it's not necessarily going to be as much left on the palate. Light, sharp, almost almost sort of sea watery. It does pack a level of salt. It's like uh, just kicking around saltwater taffy. Saltwater taffy. Yeah, yep. I like it. Yeah, because it is a bit sweeter, mm. um, and it, and it's a little bit more barley driven. Yeah, I can I can tell you that according to the uh, the wank on the bottle mm. <laughs> that. The range is a celebration of the inquisitive, 
designed for the explorer. No. It's, it's a bit of a bad sentence, to be honest. <laughs> Ted's struggling to read it. <laughs> it's a lim- limited edition scent of distinctive whiskies that takes you on a journey of discovery, yeah. pushing the boundaries of what a single malt can be. That means absolutely nothing. It, yeah, it's, um, it's the usual wank. Yeah, but talking about the range of Glenmurray, what they've got these days, they've got the classic range. They've got things like the the, the classic Elgin and things like mm. that I mentioned. Um, then they've just got like port finish, sherry finish, Cardi cask finish. Cabernet Savignon finish, which I was really curious about mm. finding, but I didn't find it in time. And the classic Peated. Mm. Um, so that's the classic range. And then they have this other range called the Heritage Range, which are the age statements. The Heritage 12-year-old, Heritage 15-year-old, Heritage 18-year-old, Heritage 21, which is the port cask finish. Yep. So it's interesting that the mm. it's almost like the um, the classic are like the main range, and then, oh, those age statements over there, those old-fashioned ones. Those. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, have you tried the 21-year-old port finish? I can't say that I have, but I've heard I have, good things about it. I have, and some of our listeners have tried the eighteen-year-old before. Mm, it's which, been a long time since we reviewed that one. Mm, speaking of value for money, though, that is yeah. it's an eighteen-year-old Scotch Speyside single malt whiskey for about oh, I, I, I'm I'm thinking it's about 130 bucks. Yeah, I thought, I thought it was around that 120 mark. So. 120, 130, yeah, which go- is. Re- Ridiculously good value. Yeah, so go back and listen to episode number 39 and you uh, get to hear all our thoughts about the Glen Murray 18-year-old. Mm. I just wanted to finish this chat about Glen Murray by talking about my favourite Glen Murray experience. And mm. you might want to jump in because I reckon yours might be similar. So thanks very much to, to Faye once again. Shout out to those guys. That when I went to Glen Murray back in 2018, um, I let her know that I was coming and she'd worded up the cellar door that, yeah, this guy from Tassie is coming and he really loves his whiskey. Find a nice flight of whiskeys for him to try. And I had the best time. And the curious thing was, I'd just come from McAllen. The McAllen. The McAllen. The McAllen. And so at the McAllen, I experienced this amazing facility and yet it had no soul. And then mm. I went to this little dinky building next to the still It is quite dinky, isn't it? Yeah, it's not huge. But I had the warmest reception from the loveliest people. And I got to try not just the the Elgin Classic and the the Sherry Cask 15-year-old, whatever. I got to try some of their really cool, I don't know, some of them were 18-year-old. I I got to try like a 26-year-old there. Mm. And they were in these interesting casks. There was a cider cask finish. Soider. Yeah, and I had the best time and had some amazing whiskey. Some of my favorite whiskeys for the entire trip. And so Glen Murray is so much more than a Elgin Classic, mm. even though that's a really good way for a whiskey noob to experience a single malt. Gosh, they do some good stuff as well. Yeah, they are not an expensive whiskey, and I think I think that's a fair enough statement. Mm-hmm. I I don't think they produce the best whiskey in the world, but what they produce isn't half bad either. Mm. I'm I'm actually a, a bit of a fan of it. Yeah. So um, there we are. Give us your thoughts on Glen Murray because some people might be like, why are they doing a review on Glen Murray? Like, that's the cheapest whiskey in the world. But then um, again, they might not have even tried it though. Passed, a lot of people, when they've started off, will have probably gone to a Glen, Glen Murray because it's, it's, cheap, it's an, an affordable price range for someone who's just starting their whiskey journey. Yeah. Agree. So uh, it holds a special place in both of our hearts. And just from these um, these really cool cask uh, maturations, the Chenin Blanc and the Rum Agricole, I think that there is a really good spirit in there. And yeah, you give it the time it deserves and you can come up with something really good. Indeed. Time to review some Glen Murray. Woo! 
<clears throat> pardon. Sorry, sorry, folks. If I cough this episode, my apologies. Hopefully, Nick will be able to edit it out. But um, I can edit it out. But I can't edit out the whole little spiel you just went on yeah. talking about coughing. The whiskey. It's review time on Whiskey Waffle, and um, it's a bit of a dangerous thing. We've done this more than once on the podcast, reviewing a bottle that we're just opening yeah. at this moment. So, Nick, are we reviewing the Elgin Classic? We did think about it. We did actually think about it because it's the classic. It is the classic. But, but no, we are not. Are we yeah. reviewing the 12-year-olds? No, we're not. We figured both of these things probably people have have, have tried on their, their whiskey journeys before. Here we go. Here we go. Virgin Pop. Yep. Are we reviewing the Sherry Cask? No, we're not. We're are, we, not. are we reviewing the Port Cask? But no, because we, we oh, tried that before and we didn't like it. Yeah, at true. All. There's a, the, probably my most scathing ever review on WhiskeyWaffle.com was the um, Glen Murray Port Cask, uh, unfortunately. Um, but this is from the classic range, not the it heritage is. range, inverted commas. But are we reviewing something that we would consider to be normal uh, Glen Murray? No, we're not. Um, that's the thing. We, we just we found this one. It's been floating around. It's one of the newer entries into the range, and we thought, if it's new to us, it's possibly new to you guys as well. So let's have a taste of it and see what we think. So, Ted, if it's none of those things we mentioned, it's about time we told our listeners exactly what we're reviewing today. This is the Glen Murray Sarsaparilla cask. <laughs> uh, all of our English listeners have no idea what that means. Is sarsaparilla a, a, an Australian sort I'm, of thing? I'm sure it is. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Um, people write in, is sarsaparilla an Australian thing? Like, yes, no. Anyway, enough of what this is not. Tell us what it is. Okay. This is the Glen Murray Speyside Single Malt Scotch Whiskey mm-hmm. Elgin Classic Yes. Peated Single Malt. Peated single malt. They're doing Product a of Scotland. One. Yeah. They're, they're doing a peated one, people, and this is it. We've not tried it before, and we're curious. We've tried just about everything else they've released, mm. but um, not their peated malt. No, so this is, uh, would you like would you stat? Uh, yep, that's all they're giving us, is just the one. The first stat is 40%. Yes, uh, I figured that would be the case. All that classic range is 40%, and mm. um, yeah, uh, it reflects the price point. This one set us back... Not it didn't break the bank today when we went and bought this one. Hmm. But we th- we were curious about it. Yeah. But even though it's not from the curiosity range. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Um. So Glen Murray Peated. It looks like it could be any other Glen Murray. It's that nice sort of healthy urine color. Indeed. Someone needs a bit more water. Um. Yeah, perhaps so. We can probably say it probably is chill filtered. Uh If it says it, if it doesn't say. It's not chill filtered. We can assume that it is, but yes. I mean, any any Scotch whiskey being released at forty percent, you mm. can assume it's been chill filtered. But you know, that's um, this is a peated whiskey, so I'm sure some of those peated characters are going to balance out any lack of yeah, body so through to the chill so filtration. Speyside peating, not not quite so common. Um, you no, do get a few here and there, but you do, you do. Um, so Ardmore is the one that we've always um, looked to. I mean, Glenfiddich have done the old peated release. There's always yeah, few there's a few. There's through. a few out there, but it's it's not like it's not like the islands. No, no, exactly. Um, and that's because I guess historically they were one of the most easy to access from the the railway lines, getting coal up there as soon as they mm. could, which is much more efficient to burn than peat, but it's also less flavoursome. So medicinal on the nose, I'd say, like cherry medicinal. Well, this is it. I was holding my glass like quite down near my near my waist, um, so I was talking to the microphone, but. I could begin to smell the first hint of a peat even from that distance. And mm. it's there. It doesn't like whack you around the face with it, but it is the first thing you notice. 
bit grassy as well. Mm-hmm. Less seasidey, but there's definitely a bit of grass fire about it. Mm. It's not no island peat. No, but I mean, it's a gentler sort of peat, and I think. For some people, again, like that whiskey noob that we talk about mm. uh, might appreciate this more, I guess, one-dimensional version of a, of a Peter whiskey. On the nose, that is. I will note that this hasn't made me do happy Pete snort. No? No. No. I've sniffed it a number of times, and the, like, the first sniff I took didn't make me do happy Pete snort. wasn't an unhappy Pete snort. It wasn't an unhappy Pete snort mm. either. It's more, at least on the nose, it's more of a flavour Pete than a like smoke bomb yeah you know what i'm going with i'm going with this is everything the floki sheep dung wants to be <sighs> it's funny you mention that because i was thinking to myself it does have elements of that it's that gr- it's that sort of grassiness mm-hmm. it's burning burning grassland or poten- potentially even burning off the um the barley fields mm. yeah mm. all right well how about we go in for a sip i think we do that okay it's a gentle finish. I know it is a gentle I'm finish. Starting with a finish. I like the fact, though, that it remains that that peaty element remains throughout the whole sort of journey of the uh, the whiskey sort of across the palate down the throat. Mm-hmm. It's it's not really in your face. No, I think it actually adds a really nice body to it. Yeah, it, you're absolutely right. It continues all the way through. There are not like if I'm going to search for tasting notes, which I will soon. I'm not going to find heaps of them. I think mm-hmm. it's a fairly narrow sort of um, whiskey. But I think it does have the balance, all right, in terms of a lightly peated, lightly bodied whiskey. doesn't uh, push it too far in any direction. My tasting note, particularly for the pet, is roasting herbs. Roasting herbs. Not um, roasting herbs. No. Roasting herbs. Uh, what you, what you stick on your um, yeah on your roast beef as you stick it in the oven. Yeah, so yeah. some rosemary. Rosemary was the one that I was thinking. Like sage. I, I wasn't thinking roasting herbs, but I was mm. thinking rosemary. Mm. Savory. Yeah, far far from fruity. It's not not mm. one of the things I'm going to talk about. It's got a slight meatiness to it, a little bit of leather. Mm-hmm. There is a hint of like a a really really dark treacle mm. um, in there, but it's, it's certainly that, not is that sweet. That sort of Sour sweetness, bitter, bitter sour sweetness. Uh, hinting at that bitter sort of sweetness is what yeah. I'm thinking about. Yeah, because treacle can have that sort of sourness mm. to it, yep. can't it? But it doesn't. It doesn't ever push it too far. Like it's never like, yeah. I'd, I'd stop short of saying bitter because the tannins don't even enter into it. I actually, I wasn't sure how I was going to go with it. Yeah, but I actually genuinely like that as a palate. I'm not. I'm not even necessarily sad that the alcohol percentage is. At forty, and it hasn't hasn't been boosted up a bit. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm slightly less um, inhabited by the uh, the lack of the depth. I, I would lo- I would love a bit more. I would love a bit more in the finish. Um, it's just that little bit watery on the on the finish for me. Mm. But flavor wise, it's not unpleasant. I can't I can't knock the flavors. Yeah, just bo- the body boosted up to forty three percent. I think probably could have just knocked it up that little bit more. And so here's a bit an interesting zing. point, like. How much would you pay extra? So this cost us, say, let's say this is a $70 whiskey. How much extra would you pay for 43%? Five bucks? Ten? Uh, I mean, I'd like to say five. Ten probably feels more like seven. Seven bucks. Seven. So seven 70, bucks. 77, 43. Uh, and for 46, 
the magic number. Mm. Bring it up to what we were trying before with those um those curiosity casks. I think probably fifteen eighty five. Yeah. yeah, that feels right. I don't know. Maybe I maybe reckon ten bucks. Yeah, maybe eighty to eighty five. I reckon like. The whiskey um, economists out there are just chuckling. It's like, oh, you just think it's easy as adding ten dollars to raise the percentage, but yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I I think there's something there, and I, I love to see a more artisanal version of this. Mm. I actually think the I'm just thinking about it now. I think that the lack of alcohol in there is actually really making me focus more on the other flavors. Yeah, in that it it it's taking away some of that sort of pop and burn and zesty brightness that the alcohol yeah. brings and really making me think about what the other flavors are doing in there yeah, which well, is I, i'm i'm not disliking yeah no cool oh well it's time that we we wrapped it up i think teddy boy yeah. so i don't think we can say too much more about it um we just have to rate it yes you're thinking hard and normally normally listeners like our, our biggest decision is a decision is this a three star or a four star mm. i think as a two star mm-hmm but it's a solid two star. Yeah, you don't hear that very often. I was I was going to go two as well, mm. but it, it's a two star that is more pleasing than disappointing. It's scratching at the door of three, mm. but to get to three, it just needed like yeah, a little bit more alcohol percentage, a little bit more something, something, something. Yeah, to it. I, I think it's quite narrow in what the flavors are, but all those flavors are good. Maybe I was like ball by ball commentary and you were the special comments. Waffle, waffle, waffling with. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of Waffling With and we are here in sort of the, I'd say almost the heart of northern Tasmania um, with uh, Karen Spencer from Tasmanian Whiskey Selectors or as they will soon be more commonly known, potentially, Bogan Road Distillery. Bogan Road Distillery. (laughs) Thanks for uh, having us along today. Um, so there's a couple of little businesses to talk about. Um, let's first talk about the Tasmania Whiskey Selectors. Um, so you are a private barreler, private bottler, independent yeah, bottler? An independent bottler, yeah. yeah. We, um, we started about um, 2016. We'd already bought a few 20 litre barrels from various distilleries and they were private barrels. Yeah. Um, but then we decided we'd like to um, get involved in the industry a bit more. Um, so we decided to become an independent bottler. Uh, and managed to get hold of quite a lot of good barrels from um, South Australia, mm. um, so mostly port and sherry. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we decided to um, start a distillery. Yeah. So the independent bottling um, was going to be our only intention originally, yeah. um, but then, uh, yeah, the excise laws changed, so you can't claim any of your excise if you... Uh, don't make it yourselves. I see. Um, so yeah, we decided we wouldn't be able to compete into the future if we continued with the independent bottling. So mm. yeah, um, at the same time we've been looking for a property to um, to store our barrels for a bond store, um, and we looked for quite a few years before we found something suitable um, because there were issues with being in town. It's much more difficult having a mm. distillery in town. Um, yeah. And yeah, in the end, we found this property on Bogan Road. And so, which distilleries have you been able to access spirit from? Which what's been released so far, and what's coming up in the future? Okay, so we started off. Um, our first release was from Redlands, which is now Kempton. 
um, and we then have some Launceston Distillery releases and some Adams Distillery releases. Um, I also have an early Kalara re release um, and I'm about to release another Kalara one. I've already um, bottled the cast strength from that barrel um, and because I decided some people needed the opportunity to have a, a cast strength yeah. Um, yeah. but I've now um, reduced it to 46% to bottle the rest of it um, and that'll be available at the Tasmanian Craft Fair in Deloraine soon. Um, and yeah. There's also um, quite a few barrels that are now close to or over five years old. Um, so we've got some from McHenry's, uh, Spring Bay, oh, I have to go through them all in my head, um, more from Adams, um, more I, from Launceston. I saw a Coralin barrel, yeah. yeah. There are a couple of Coralin barrels, yes, which you won't see into the future, I believe. Mm. Um, and yeah, there's a couple more Redlands barrels as well. Yep. So, yeah. Mm. Interesting little range. And so, what's where are you, where are you up to with the uh, distillery side of things? Um, we only got our big still, so our 1600 litre electric still arrived um, in the middle of the year. Mm. And I've done three wash runs in it, um, and we'll shortly be doing a spirit run. Uh, and that initial spirit, I won't be putting in barrels for whiskey, I'll be using that for my hazelnut whiskey liqueur. Um, and then into the future I'll be filling barrels, um, potentially more than 20 barrels a year. Um, I wouldn't say more than 50. Uh, we still both work as well, um, so mm. we'll see how we go. And I, mm. I don't think we want to grow too big. Um, yeah, so we're quite happy to be a little bit boutique-y. Yeah. Uh, we'll hobby up here. Bogan, Bogan Boutique. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, um, brings me on very nicely to the next question. Um, why the name Bogan Road? Why is the distillery called Bogan Road? Well, mainly because it's on Bogan Road. Uh -huh. so, <laughs> I, yeah, I would have liked to have called it Quamby Brook Distillery because mm -hmm. I thought that sounded classier. But yeah. as soon as Bill Lark and quite a few other people heard that it was on Bogan Road, they said you couldn't have planned that better. <laughs> um, <laughs> And they all felt that it was a good name, so yeah, we've mm. gone with Bogan Road. A bit of a Bogan, we're a fairly Bogan style anyway. <laughs> That works for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's certainly memorable. You're not going to yeah, forget I see, that one in a hurry. see there's a bit of uh, interest in motorbikes yes, around here yeah, as well. So, yeah, Shane's got a Triumph there and um, 1957 Tiger Cup. And uh, we've put that up on the box so that he can't ride it anymore. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, he's also got Norm. So in terms of your own whiskey then, what sort of style are you looking to make? Well, we're um, only going to need double distilling, so I won't triple distill. Um, and I think we'll try and continue to do single cast bottlings when we can. Mm -hmm. uh, I haven't, um, yeah, I haven't decided on an exact um, style to plan for. I think we've just got to see first what comes out of the still and, yep. and what we think of how things are going yeah yeah ideally if we can get really good barrels then we can continue to try and do single pass bottlings yeah um, but certainly you know i'm i'm not into um big hitting styles i quite personally like a lighter style um you know a, a, an easy drinking whiskey yeah um, and i'm happy to leave them in the barrel for as long as necessary for that to to happen um yeah, I'm not, I'm not um, under production targets or um, yeah. the necessity to, to get things out there in any, um, you know, 
structured fashion so I can just wait till I think it's ready and taste good and yep. taste mm. that way. Absolutely. And can people come and visit you yes, um, here on, on Bogan yeah. Road? Yep. Yep. So How do they do that? By appointment. Yep. Um, but uh, if they are coming past and the gate's open, I'm quite happy for them to drop in. Yeah, and it's a sign saying if the mm. gates are open, you're welcome. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm usually pottering around. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and where can people find... Taz Whiskey Selector um, Spirit? Uh, so mostly online. Um, we do have a few select bottle shops that have a little bit, um, but that's mostly local, so in Delorain, um, and a few in Molceston. Um, but yeah, online is probably the easiest way to find us. Yeah, no, nice. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us today, Karen. It's been, um, yeah, really good finding our Bogan Road, and it's lived up to uh, everything mm. we, uh, we could have hoped and dreamed. So. Yes. Thanks for having us along. Thanks for coming. It's a uh, chocolate and date bliss ball. Is it? Yes. Good. I'll take your word for that. Smash session or saver. Okay, Ted, for this smash session or saver, you're gonna have to use your memory. Smash session or saver, right? Yes, I know. I, I, it's the end of the night. I'm unlikely to pronounce those words accurately. But um, you've tried all these whiskies, but you've probably only tried them once. Right. Okay. So I've picked three whiskies, the three most recent Whiskey Club monthly releases that we've got between us. Okay. So they are two of them sitting on the shelf up there and one of them sitting on your shelf at home. So right. the two sitting up there, one of them is the Paul John Port Cask. Yep. One of them is the Glen Morangie, um, Amontillado, I think. It might be a Montiato, it might be some other sherry, I've forgotten. Yeah, that bottle took a fair beating. Yeah, we took it to an after party and uh, yeah, it's less than half full. And the third one is the most recent one that one of us have purchased, the Pokemon, or the Pocono. Yes. Kiwi cask. Glen Morangi. Pocano. Pocano. The Glen Morangi Amontiato brackets, it might be another sherry, close brackets. Or, (laughs) I can't be bothered getting up and checking. Or the Paul John Port Smash. Session, saver, go. All right, Smash is the Pocano. Um, you, didn't, you didn't like it? I, I wanted more from it. Yeah. I, I, really, I really was interested and wanted to like it, and mm. it just, uh, just didn't really live up to it. Mm. Yeah. I wonder if anyone else out there has had a similar experience would smash that one without much thought. It was okay. Yeah. It wasn't great. Uh, so that leaves us with Paul John. Now, uh, remind me what Paul John was uh, port doing. Port cask. Port cask, yeah. Yeah, and around about that sort of high 40s or even maybe even 50%. And the Glenmorangie was full of Edgar Allan Poe. Brr. Smash Session of Saber. Look, you, <laughs> you know what? Because I, what? I have first I have first-hand experience in this. I am going to go... Uh, Save the Paul John. Yep. I've only had it once and I'll be interested in uh, doing it again and sort of sitting on it and thinking about it. But I can say 100% that the Glenmorangie that may or may not be a Montiato <laughs> is eminently sessionable. Mm. <laughs> having having sessioned it quite hard <laughs> to the tune that we've not got much of that bottle left yes. with you. Yes. <laughs> well into the night yep. and on the way home. Don't yeah. tell the cops. Yeah, you can't just, prove nothing. We had some uh, some picnic cups with us that may have been uh, <laughs> travellers that got us home from that walk home. 
Yes. Um, uh, Whis- Whiskey Waffle bus- busting out their classic fiction. Yeah. <laughs> you know what, Ted? Even though I've got the exact same choice as you, I'm going to go through my reasons why. Okay, okay. Um, the Picano or the Pokemon didn't give me anything more than like a slightly watery... Yeah, there's there's barrel influence there, but it wasn't a enough. A slightly to, watery bow? Yes, a watery bow the next day. No, it just didn't give me enough. It was a bit underwhelming. No, it was it was too underwhelming. You were you were whelmed. Uh, yeah, no, I was underwhelmed. Underwhelmed, yeah, I yeah, was too. I was. It's got nice nice labeling and nice bottle. Yeah, just- the um the Paul John uh has a lot more to it. And like I know that um Lord Walden doesn't like it, but um I think there's um there's something in there to really sit on. Like it's it's one of those drams that you don't need like dram after dram after dram. It's 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 a high percentage and there's plenty of uh, combination of this funky Indian spirit with a it's rich rich fun, funky Indian cast. spirit. That would be a Bollywood spirit. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a, the Bollywood whiskey. That's to be savoured. Um, and I mean this in a way that I can't session any Bollywood. Um, but the Glen Morangy, you're absolutely right, Ted. We sessioned it, and I just enjoyed sessioning that. And I'm, one I'm of the, re- I'm regretting not having a bottle of that, actually. Well, yeah, I, it came out again recently. Just they were trying to get rid of it, obviously. But um, no, it's um, just one of those drinkers. And one of the main reasons I put this to you as a smash us and shaver because I reckon a bunch of our listeners have these bottles on their shelf. And mm. so they'd probably be able to do the same game. And I reckon, I, I'm just going to put it out there, I reckon every single one has made the same choice. Yeah. And that's not just us influencing them. I reckon they, they came to the same choice. Mm. Um, maybe not Law Walden, though, because he didn't like the, the podcast from Paul John, but, but he probably didn't get all of them either, so... Yeah. Interesting. Well, let us know what you would do. And um, obviously there's been so many more Whiskey Club releases since then. Like Mm. we could have mixed and matched it completely differently. It's just these are the ones that we got. And um, are you going to get anything this month, Ted? What's on the cards? Well, that's where it gets interesting. So do tell because I I don't know what's on the cards for this month. so. So the regular release is a Glenn Grant. Okay. And like we didn't get the last time Glen Grant was up there, mm. but we have tried it. We tried it at the Whiskey Club headquarters. That was a cold drink of water, a breath mm. of fresh air. Yeah. We'd, we'd been on a whiskey a trip. A sorbet, a palate cleanser. <laughs> yeah. We'd been on a uh, Tassie whiskey trip like we uh, enjoy doing, and we'd been drinking a lot of heavy, f- rich Tasmanian whiskeys straight from the barrel, which was really good, but also gets quite a lot uh, after a bit, and so going to the the uh, whiskey club headquarters and being offered a glass of light, it, it, it was almost as if it was in a highball glass, yeah. with like condensation streaming down the side. Ironic because it was a sherry car, <laughs> yeah, and a little umbrella on top. But yeah. it was it just was so much lighter and fresher and cleaner. Yep. So this month is a Glen Grant 13-year-old, which is not an age statement they've ever done before. Yeah, and interesting. it's 55%. Mm, interesting. Mm. Um, but I expect it's a bourbon cask. But there's a couple of other things available this month. Um, so one of the other things, and this is where I'm really interested to see your response to this, mm. because there's an ovarian Tokay cask. Oh. <laughs> now, see, that makes me very suspicious and very, very wary. Yes. Care to tell us why? Because I have this 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 actually hurts to hurts me to say. 
I have a bad ovaryim in my collection. Yeah, have- possibly the only bad ovaryim that's ever been released. I have a I have an actually pretty shithouse ovaryim in my collection. It's it's not cool. It's so it was a um um um, um Pedro Jimenez mm. release. It was the first Pedro Jimenez release. First Pedro Jimenez release, and it's shit. Mm. I I don't know what they did to it. I don't know if it was just a bad barrel in in, in the start. There's warning bells flashing because this is the first Tokay cast they've done. Yeah. It sounds like it's come out at a similar time. But um, the interesting thing is, what percentage was that PX? Was it cast strength or was it like a lower percentage? Mm, oh, I can't remember. I haven't, I haven't. To be honest, I haven't looked at the bottle. So this is only 45.5% only. Like, that, that's a good number. But, uh, well, not, not quite as good as 46.1. But it's 45.5%. But it's also $195. But it's also a 700ml bottle. Yeah, oh, but I don't think Ted once, could buy it. Once, once burnt, twice yeah. shy. I think I'd want to taste it first. But this is it. There's a part of me that wants to buy this. There's part of me that really wants to buy it. To but compare, there's another part like, of me that says the redemption story type thing. But yeah, it's a lot of money on an experiment, isn't it? Yeah, Cleon's one. Who Cleon got that one as well. And well, Cleon hasn't bought a Tasmanian whiskey since. Yeah, let's put him off Tasmanian whiskey. Like yeah. that's such a shame. Such a shame. Because, you know, I don't think that is representative of Tasmanian whiskey at all. That's where the downfall of these club-type whiskeys can be, that you, yeah. you can get burnt with them. You, you do get burnt, but there's... I mean, like, if I'm going to get burnt, I don't get mind getting burnt with, like, uh, a first-release New Zealand whiskey, because at least it's, you know, mm. you can say you've tried it, like, it's interesting. But, um, yeah... The other thing is you get the boring release, the inverted commas, boring releases, like a Glenn Grant 13-year-old, and it probably turns out to be, you know, a ripper whiskey. Mm. Or like that Glenn Murray we're talking about, like, you know, it doesn't yeah. necessarily sound like it's the most exciting thing, but it's just a really good drinking whiskey. So, yeah, you get that end of the spectrum as well. Okay, so we've, we've got a, a a potentially dangerous ovary. A Glenn Grant 13-year-old, and only some people are going to get to try this. Guess what? The Offerman cask is back. Ooh, third time around? The third time around. I didn't get it last time. I'd missed out. But this time there's a ballot. Ah, oh, yes. And I've entered the ballot. Yep. <laughs> and I don't even know if I want it because the first time around it was okay. Like, I didn't love it. Um, like, I drunk it. Mm. I think... Did you get some I've, as well? I've got some as well. Yeah, yeah. So I've finished mine. Yeah. Long since finished mine. But um, if I won the ballot, would I get it? Probably, because, you know, I've won a ballot. Well, you've won the ballot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's an 11-year-old charred You've won the casks. opportunity to, pass, uh, to part with some money. Mm, exactly, you know. That makes it feel much more special. Yeah, it's an 11-year-old charred oak cask. So lots of charred oak. Mm. All they need to stick the word alligator in there, and it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. They do some interesting stuff, the Whiskey Club, and, um, yeah, we've we've missed out on quite a few in the last couple of months. We we didn't miss out on the, the Pecano, but we maybe wish we had. Yeah, I think it's partly that the Whiskey Club talked it up so much. Mm. Or like, this is this is an amazing opportunity to get in. Like, Nothing th- th- they said was untrue, though. It's like, it's like yeah. this is a first release. How how often do you get to buy yeah, yeah. a first release Solomon's Code? Sort of like, don't, don't you wish you could have been in, at the ground level of the Tasmanian whiskey scene. Well, this is your opportunity with the <laughs> New Zealand whiskey scene. Like, yeah. get in on this. And then it's like, yeah! And then it's I like... I think, yeah. Uh, Comparing it to the Sutherland's Cove is probably pushing in a little bit, though. There you go. There you go. Did we start off this with a smash test and saver? 
Uh, I think that was in there somewhere, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Hmm. We went a bit whiskey clubbish, but anyway. Yeah, you'll be done, done all right. So, Ted, there was this um, thing that we did with Glen Murray one time. I don't know if you remember. It was my old place, the other end of the street. Uh, mm-hmm. Just for those listeners out there, um, Ted and I um, live a long way away from each other at the moment. It's a whole uh, opposite end of the street right now. Yeah, yeah. You used to live two houses away from I know, though. I know. And back when I lived two houses away, we had a whiskey night with some of our friends. It was a bit of an epic night because mm-hmm. um, uh, a few of our other friends came along and there was... um. Yeah, it got a, got a bit uh, hectic towards the end of the night. I remember we walked one of our friends home that lived in another street. Gosh, we, we occupied Montello for a while, didn't we? Yep. Um, and we all went on this crazy quest after many, many drams. But anyway, the very first thing we had of the night was Glenn Murray, 12-year-old. But we had four drams of it. They weren't huge drams. They were like half drams or whatever. But we started off, one of them, neat, one of them with ice, one of them with water, and one of them with whiskey stones. Yeah, and we nice. tried the, the same now, whiskey four ways. Yeah. Now, when, when Nick says ice, he means the uh, drug version because we <laughs> live in Montello, so... Yeah, yeah. Easy to access uh, around yeah. these parts. And uh, we got some more on that walk. <laughs> no, um, uh, do not condone. Do not, do not do that. But it was um an interesting experience because often we don't get to try the same mm. thing in those different ways. We might, like, I don't know, like sometimes it's a really sunny day and I stick a few ice cubes in a bourbon. For example, I don't know, just sort of, which can be a nice thing. You need, yeah, you need, need when, right if you're doing that, you need it in a nice big tumbler. Yeah, as well. exactly. Yeah, love a bit of swishing around in tumbler. Well, um, while we're usually um, um, Glencairn wankers, there is something very pleasing about having a, a finger of whiskey mm. in a nice big tumbler, mm. maybe with a block of ice. We don't do it often, but yeah. It it can feel good. You've uh, you yeah you've you've confessed something to everyone that I've felt for a long time. Like I know that tumblers do not necessarily portray a um, fancy whiskey in the best way. They're not going to concentrate the bo- the the nose in any way. But I I like holding a tumbler. Mm. I like holding a Glencan too. Mm. But I, I like holding a tumbler, chunky old tumbler, something that potentially even something with a bit, few angles, not like a round tumbler, like a like a square or sort of diagonal sort of uh, tumbler. But yes, uh, anyway, I digress. On that particular night, I think we found that the ice uh, did not improve the Glamari and the water did not either. And it's probably no wonder it started at 40%. 40%. Yeah, you so don't want to bring it getting down, any down, down, down and down and down and down. Some, some Scottish whiskey people, like Ralphie loves it at 37. Yeah. He, <laughs> we, he's we, much older now, but... Um, yeah. 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 We, uh, we saw some, um, while we were at the bottle shop earlier, we saw some um, bourbons at 37%. We were amusing to ourselves... How is that even allowed? Yeah, that that that's that's probably a topic for another episode. Mm, but sub sub forty percent whiskey. Yeah, what the people want to hear. <laughs> but yeah, we um in the end we on that night, apart from the neat whiskey, which wasn't even a favourite either. There's a few Glen Murray skeptics in the house, but the the whiskey rocks. Um, people didn't mind. Um, just at a slightly cooler temperature. Um, they they're pleasing pleasing to look at I suppose but they don't really do much they don't change the percentage they just they shut down the volatiles so you can't taste as much exactly yeah so I don't think I've I, those whiskey stones were given to me as a gift because I you know who out there has not like the reason you own whiskey stones is someone's given them to you as a gift uh, potentially with a distillery carved on the side probably Jim Beam um, but I don't think I've brought them out again since then they've just sat in my freezer ever since and just not moved but yeah Glen Murray was the one we chose and. Was it fair? Probably, but I don't mm. know. We, it was good to have a bottle of it because you can do stuff like that. 
Yeah. And not care. It really is a good whiskey to access if you're starting out, you're short on cash, you want something that's a single malt to try against blends of about the same price range. And um, yeah, I think there's some interesting variations coming through. Um, obviously, we talked about that 21-year-old port finish. Mm. Yeah, the 15-year-old, I don't mind either. Well, people- And the Cardi cast, come people, on. Pe- people, people, tell us what is better than Glen Murray at that price point. Mm. Yes. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that is definitely better than Glen Murray, but yeah. what is better than Glen Murray- in that zone. And you can equivalent it too. Like, what's the better NAS at $62? What's the better 12-year-old at $68? Um, the 15-year-old's not much more. So go yeah. out there and compare like for like and see what what beats it. Yeah, I think the 15-year-old's only about like 80 bucks or something for like a, 50, a 15-year-old. Yeah. Like most most other 15-year-olds are going to be, I don't know, 130 bucks at least. Yeah. Now, Ted, didn't you buy one... Didn't you have a disappointing purchasing experience though? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, that was that was Uncle Dan's fault for having a um, false advertising, wasn't it? False advertising. It was false advertising. The picture they had. So I wanted to get the Glen Murray twenty-five-year-old, which the twenty-five-year-olds, for a bit of context, are vintaged. Now I wanted the nineteen eighty-eight because. That is mine and Nicholas's vintage. Mm, yes, we are our, our personal also of vintage. That vintage. Yes, that, that's right. We are eighties kids. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm sure we're not the only ones out there. Yeah, um. <laughs> and so the picture that was on Uncle Dan's was of the 1988, but the I think the the actual text of it said maybe the 1993, which is what I ended up getting. But yeah. it was a bit of a sort of like. They no, hadn't, the, they the, hadn't picture, the, picture the picture definitely says the 1988. Yeah. yeah. So Ted has a nice bottle of 1993 vintage. Yep. 25-year-old um, um, Glen Murray, which we haven't tried for a while. We should bust that out again. Comes in a big, fancy wooden box that takes up a lot of my shelf space. Yeah, true. You paid mainly for the box. Yeah. Maybe we should. you should have saved your money and got that 20-year-old podcast. Indeed. Indeed. Yes. Indeed. You know, I'm nearly out of my 18-year-old, and I probably would go back for another one. The Glen Murray 18-year-old? Yeah. Yeah, no, the Glen Murray 18-year-old is great. Mm. Yeah. Um, go back to listen to episode 39 to find out about that one, but I think that brings us to the end of the episode, though, Teddy Boy. It's it does. been fun. It's been fun talking about Glen Murray, and I hope Glen other people have, Yeah. hope a few people have some other pleasant experiences about Glen Murray. It's not just us. Uh, it could be just us. That's fine. Us and Jake's cat, at least. I'm mm. sure we're on the same page there. We've we've always had a bit of a soft spot for Glen Murray, mm. it, as you as you very astutely put it before. It usually gets our pocket pleaser type awards. Yeah. It's nothing that we've ever really like frothed over at a high level, mm. but it's just always bubbles along just underneath. Go back to it. It's good summer whiskey. Yeah. It certainly is. So, yeah, that brings us to the end of our Glen Murray episode. Please write in with a juicy carrot pigeon for Jake's cat and um, <laughs> tell us all about your experience with Glen Murray. We'd love to hear it. Indeed. Well, Nicholas, it's been a great pleasure talking to you, as yeah. always. Until next time. I was Ted. And I was Nick. And keep on waffling. Good night.
Whiskey Waffle recommends you drink whiskey responsibly and only if you're above the legal drinking age in your country. Our lawyers made us say that. Or at least, they would have if we actually had lawyers. You know, you walk into the room long after the fart has occurred.